Hey, hey, welcome to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We have Stuart in the studio holding it down. And we have a very special guest for us tonight uh, talking with us. And I'm really looking forward to this because uh, I read a little Bob Inc. in seminary and Gregory Parker Jr., our guest for tonight, uh, he is, uh, I guess you might say, an expert, and he has translated and edited a book by edited a book by Bob Inc. titled "What Is Christianity?" Greg, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Nate. So uh, so good to be on the show. Man, I'm so glad to have you. I saw this. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a good conversation. But before we talk about the book, uh, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, So I'm uh, from America. I grew up in Pennsylvania primarily. Uh, did my graduate education at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, just north of Boston, and spent some time at the University of Edinburgh, uh, working on my Ph.D. on Herman Bovink, uh, working with, uh, I guess, the Bovink scholar, uh, James Eglinton. Uh, now I'm an assistant professor of theology at Cairn University, which is just outside of Philadelphia uh, in the Langhorne uh, area. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of good stuff right there. I'm really, uh, really interesting. So when when you look at you know, there's so many ways of, of, of spending your time, different projects you could undertake. Why did you decide to undertake this translation? What is Christianity? What interested you about it? Yeah, so a few years back, uh, my friend and I, Cameron Clausing. Uh, Cameron and I did our PhDs together at the University of Edinburgh, and he's now a professor down at Christ College, Sydney. Uh, we met at a conference, and we uh, we were thinking about this developing field of bobbing studies that you know people were really getting excited about him. We thought, well, if we're going to be participating in this field, what what might be our unique contribution to it? Okay. And we decided that we were both really interested in uh, in the in the pastoral or more um, layman-oriented writings of Herman Bovink. And so uh, in 2018, we started a project together where we translated Bovink's book, The Sacrifice of Praise, which really looks at uh, this time in the believer's life where they're approaching the Lord's table and thinking about, what does it mean that I would participate in the Lord's Supper? And then after that, we picked up this project, uh, Guidebook for Instruction in the Christian Religion, which is... uh, a systematic theology for high schoolers, and right towards the end of that project, uh, some of my uh, PhD was beginning to look at the question of the essence of Christianity, and I thought, hey, Bobbing's got this popular level uh, essay on what it, what it, what is Christianity, what does it look like to be a Christian, and uh, decided it, it very much fit in our then of uh, where we were trying to contribute in Bobbing's uh, study. So I tried to uh, get my buddy Cameron to translate it with me, but he was too busy wrapping up his own PhD, so I, I <sighs> set off on my own. And the worst. Translated it. Yep. <laughs> Come on now. Well, anyways, yeah. I am so glad you did, because like you said, this is more popular level. I remember in seminary reading a little bit of uh, his 
reform dogmatics. And that's not, not necessarily easy, you know, reading per se. And I found this to be very readable. So I'm glad you did. I, I, that reminds me of someone else, like uh, there's a Kierkegaard. I read him a little bit. And we're all, you know, used to maybe Fear and Trembling and some other books. But then mm-hmm. I was gladly, you know, surprised when I read some of his pastoral sermon-esque writings that Kierkegaard was quite interesting. So some of our favorite authors, they often have that other pastoral side that we might not be aware of uh, to the extent uh, that we know they're more technical writings. Uh, I guess in the last few years, however many years it is, there has been a renewed interest in Bavink. And so my question for you is, uh, why do you think that is? Out of all the other scholars and theologians, we are falling back in love with Bavink. Why do you think that is? Uh, yeah, so that's, that's a great question. Um, some of it has to do with uh, the fact that he was translated into English fairly recently. Yes. Uh, so, you know, a, a long time ago in the 50s, we had a little bit of Bavink uh, in English, and then, you know, some tricklings of stuff done by John Bolt early in his career. And then really in, in 2003 to 2008, we had the Reform Dogmatics put into English, and this uh, created something of a commotion, but at least in America, there was still sort of this vision of, of Bavink as something of a bifurcated figure. Uh, in other words, uh, because he engages with modern philosophy, but mm-hmm. also engages with uh, scholastic sources. Uh, scholars were kind of torn about who is Bavink. Is, is he this guy who's really reformed, or is he this guy that's kind of uh, uh, veiled under modern philosophy? Who is he? And, um, and after the Reform Dogmatics come out, uh, you had a series of scholars really say, hey, uh, Bavink is this, this orthodox thinker who's really trying to engage with the modern world and engage with the, the philosophy and language of the modern world while remaining faithful to uh, reformed categories. Yes. And so I think that's partially what has made him a really captivating and interesting thinker, is that uh, he's not this reformed thinker who's continually telling us that the 17th century was the best time to be a Christian. He's not always telling <laughs> yes. us that we, we have to go back to being Calvin. Yes. Uh, but rather that we need to be Christian in our own time and in our own world and, and find ways to navigate that. And his theology really is a helpful template for doing that. There are a number of other reasons I think he's probably still pretty interesting, or at least this Bavink wave of Bavink being hot uh, has uh, <laughs> maintained its relevance for the last couple of years. And I think some of that has to do with his irenicism. Uh, mm. There's a Nate. There's a ton of tribalism in uh, in modern evangelical thinking, uh, where you know, pretty much if you if you find something you disagree with in a thinker, you just have to disagree everything that they've ever said. To uh, obviously, <laughs> like you have to throw it all away, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, and and Bavink's not that kind of thinker. He's he's willing to uh, engage with someone and say, "Hey, I disagree with them on on X, Y, and Z." But actually, on point D, they, they have something important to say, or they're, they're touching on the truth there. And I think, um, I think you had a wave kind of of scholars having grown up in the tribalism of American evangelicalism going, wait a mm. second, 
this seems like a much healthier path uh, yes. of navigating and, and pursuing the good, the beautiful, and uh, and the truth. I so like I, I think that's at least two points. So some of it just historical translation, and then uh, also just how he navigates scholarship. Yes, uh, and that there's a lot to be learned with what you said because so often we encounter a writer, an author, a scholar, and they say something we disagree with. And you're right, that tribalism just takes over, and you have to throw it all away. And I think this is what mm-hmm. happens with a lot in a lot of people in the evangelical world when it comes to like the medieval scholastic scholars, uh, scholasticism. It's like Aquinas and and uh, mm-hmm. Scotus and Occam, and it's like, well, if we don't agree with every every part of their theology, well, we have to throw it all away. And I think that's why sometimes there is—I'm not saying in all corners of evangelicalism, but there can be the, mm-hmm. a little bit of a shallow scholarly, I guess, scholarship where we don't engage with all the thinkers that we could because we just stay kind of in our—I hate to use this term—but safe spaces. So I really enjoyed what you said, y'all with these authors, even if you disagree with them, read them, enjoy them, interact with them, talk with them. And I think Greg does a great job of that. So now turning to the book itself. All right, Greg, it's a busy world. And, you know, there's so much grabbing at my attention. Why should I read what is Christianity? Why why should I read it? Yeah, uh, so a few months back uh, i gave my mom a copy and i and i i probably should have uh, given her an advanced copy or something to give me an endorsement nate because i thought <laughs> i thought she really put it best uh she sent me a text about halfway through the book and she said uh she said bovink is easy to read he just says what's in the bible and uh and That's i thought awesome. that that was just uh just a great little blur maybe if they do a, a third print run on this uh, i'll have to get her on the back Yes. Um, but, but really what, what Bobbing does in this concise work is he really puts forth um, a pretty clear vision of Christian history that really orbits uh, our understanding of who Christ is. And he says that's really what unifies all Christians. Mm. He doesn't uh, scapegoat any particular traditions, but he does point out uh, the diversity of the Christian tradition, uh, particularly uh, at the Reformation, um, but then still he maintains his uh, neo-Calvinist or Calvinist bearings and lets you know that he yes. thinks that, uh, that Calvin has worked out the tradition in the greatest purity. Uh, mm. So he's, he's ecumenically minded here, um, but definitely still a, very much a Reformed thinker, uh, articulating concisely uh, Christian history. Yes. Yeah, y'all. And uh, concision. I know we don't have all the time in the world necessarily, but y'all, this is a a great book. It's not large. It's very clearly written. It's readable. It's uh, packed with important stuff. And uh, like I said before, it's it's, it's concise. So y'all don't don't let the whole thing of, oh, I don't have a lot of time to read, uh, hold you back from from getting a copy of this and reading it and enjoying it. Well, friends, we have to 
ahead to break. But on the other side of this break, we're going to dive into the book itself. What does Bavink say when it comes to Christianity? What is the essence of Christianity? You don't want to miss it. I am your host, Nate Williams. My guest is Gregory Parker Jr. And this is a WXJC Radio Priority Talk. We will be right back. Hey, hey, welcome back to Priority Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nate Williams. We have Stuart in the studio, and our guest is still here. He has not run away. I'm very thankful. I can tend to do that to people, but we have Gregory Parker Jr. with us uh, talking about the book that he helped to, uh, I guess, uh, edit. He translated uh, What is Christianity by Herman Bovink, and I've enjoyed this conversation, and we're we're going to dive into uh, specific questions about the book. And so uh, I guess we live in a very divisive age, Greg. A lot of people think that their way is the highway. And, and you will have people, uh, you'll have Christians who think the same way. That's like, oh, my way of Christianity is the only way, the only way you can believe. What would Bovink say, I guess, in the very early parts of his book? How might Bovink respond to that my way or the highway attitude that some Christians have when it comes to their faith? Yeah, that's a great question, Nate. Uh, so, so the book really tries to orbit that, that all of us uh, as individuals are trying to, uh, as we navigate and engage with Christianity, are all faced with one big question, and that is, what does one make of Jesus Christ? Mm. Now, this this very simple question, uh, Bobbin kind of developed throughout the, the history of the Church and the development of theology, and, uh, and he, he really begins with this question, though, because he wants us to kind of acknowledge or see in some way that what unites the Church you know, what we have in common with our, our brothers and, and sisters in Christ who are, you know, Pentecostal or Anglican uh, is, is actually a lot more than what differentiates the, us from them. Mm-hmm. And so this, this brother or sister in Christ who's kind of saying, my way or the highway, I think Bobbink would, would try to navigate, uh, engage, engaging with them to try to get them to see that actually you know, how they're trying to distinguish themselves from their brother and sister in crisis is maybe not altogether helpful. What we really need to see is that we have a lot more in common with our brothers and sisters than we do um, apart from them. You know, we have, we have the same Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely. We worship uh, Jesus. So I guess, uh, mm-hmm. how does Bovink define Christianity? You know, the book is titled, What is Christianity? So what would he say to that question? Yeah, so he would say Christianity is is Christ himself. And Mm. this is really what distinguishes uh, Christianity from other religions. And and he's really also participating in a conversation uh, that's really happening at his, his, his time in history. So at the turn of the 20th century, you had all these uh, theologians and church historians really trying to kind of boil Christianity down or, or look for the kernel uh, within Scripture that, that holds it all together. And so you had guys like Adolf Harnick or Feuerbach, uh, even Hegel, uh, Tillich later would participate in this conversation. And, uh, and this is one of uh, 
Bob Inc.'s opportunities to engage in this, this conversation. He has a, another article that can be found elsewhere uh, titled The Essence of Christianity. Um, but here he is again kind of navigating this question saying, okay, uh, all these other scholars, they're also answering it and maybe being uh, reductive in his mind to what, mm. how they're articulating Christianity. And he's saying, hold up, uh, what the essence of Christianity is, is, is not, not the practices that we do, it's not uh, the traditions, it's not uh, our experiences, it is Christ himself. He is uh, the content, the starting point, the end point, really, of Christianity. And so that's, that's what he's going to um, contribute to the conversation. Yes, uh, focused on Jesus. I love that. And I guess, mm-hmm. so that g- goes from there to uh, chapter 3 talks about the confession of Christianity. So if Christianity is all about Jesus, uh, wh- where do we go from there? What What is the confession of Christianity? Yeah, so he really sees uh, in this book, you know, if Christianity is Christ himself, the Church is naturally going to develop its, its theology or its confession around Christ. And so when then we see throughout the trajectory of Church history this kind of continual clarifying of who Christ is, and then kind of extrapolating or building from that uh, who the Triune God is and who the Church is in this larger picture. And so he really sees uh, the trajectory of, of Christian theology as beginning on the Christ question. Yeah, great mm-hmm. question, Nate. I, you know, this is something completely off the top of my head. I didn't talk with you about this at all, but I almost see uh, a little bit, maybe he influenced Karl Barth a little bit. I don't know, just that Christology being the center and the start and the focus. Uh, yeah, so that, that's a, a great point. So there are um, so to some degree here, he's, he's, uh, he's displaying that he was influenced by Friedrich Schleiermacher, yeah. and that Friedrich Schleiermacher really places uh, or pushes this Redeemer-centric uh, version of Christianity. And in Karl Barth's uh, uh, footnotes to his Church Dogmatics, um, he primarily uh, footnotes Bobbink in his sections on the Trinity and just says uh, Bobbing does a really good job on this. Um, I don't think that he necessarily um, engages with Bart in his Christology, but I, I might have to chase that down. I know that there were there were theologians in Bobbing's own time called the ethical theologians, mm-hmm. and they were very much pushing in a very Bartian direction, and, and Bobbing was a little bit uh, scared of what they were doing. He didn't want to go quite as far as they... Uh, did, which might anticipate how he would have reacted to Bart. Got you. Wow, that that was that was awesome. That was enjoyable to listen to your insight there. Uh, on page twenty-two, it has this phrase that I just really enjoyed. It says, uh, uh, "Bobbing says Christianity gave birth to a special science, theology." which, resting on the baptismal formula and on the apostolic symbol that had certainly come into being at the beginning of the second century, had a Trinitarian character. Now, that's a lot to say. I'm just going to focus on the first part of that phrase, that Christianity gave birth to a special science, which is theology. Was theology not done outside of Christianity? Like, what what does he mean by that, do you think? Yeah, uh, so I think in this specific spot, he's uh, he's kind of trying to 
locate us in a conversation that is identifying that the 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 theological reflection of who Christ is and the theological reflection that the Church was doing kind of birthed an academic uh, character to it, uh, which we see really develop alongside of the university. So certainly, you know, rabbis and philosophers would have been asking uh, theologically oriented questions about who God is, um, but really the, the scientific character of it, the science of theology, um, really develops uh, out of the womb of Christianity in the university. So in a, in a certain sense, um, he wouldn't want to denigrate that uh, that theology was being done by other folks, uh, but he is trying to say that uh, that really there is something special to the way that Christians uh, were doing theology. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you put that. Uh, theology is a science, very unique with Christianity, I think. And then comparing Christianity to other religions on uh, pages 22 and 23. Talks, uh, he talks about the lower religions, animism, spiritism. Then he talks about maybe some other religions like uh, Buddhism and uh, uh, Islam. Uh, what would you, th what do you think Bavink would say is the difference between Christianity and all the other religions out there? Yeah, so I, th I think there are probably maybe at least three points, and he might even draw these out specifically in those pages. Um, he would see Christianity as being particularly founded around uh, Christ, who is not just saying um, Christ is not pointing to someone else as uh, Muhammad would, or, or um, uh, as, as Buddha kind of is, uh, but but Christ is declaring himself to be the king of the kingdom of God. And so Christianity is distinct by the nature of its Redeemer. Uh, he would also say that the triune character of Christianity adds something specific, uh, that, the, that we participate in the fellowship of the Father by the grace of the Spirit and in the power of Christ, that this triune character adds a a certain richness to the Christian religion that the other religions don't quite capture. And then thirdly, he thinks that uh, Christianity really develops into a comprehensive worldview. Um, now, worldview is a kind of a term that has a lot of baggage, uh, but what he really has in mind here is that it, it gives an individual really a, a philosophy or a way of navigating all of life mm. in a way that is uh, comprehensive or more comprehensive than the other religions, and it's a it's a really even interesting little section on itself. Excuse me, uh, because he really kind of engages or borrows from Schleiermacher here again ugh, on his uh, his philosophy of religion, and so it's another kind of um, kind of way that he's learning from someone who perhaps um, uh, is often made out to be a boogeyman, and so. So here's a great example of Bobbing doing something where he's saying, wait, actually Schleiermacher might be a little bit helpful here. And so he kind of borrows from him without letting us know. Yes, and he also speaks very positively of the uh, Roman Catholic Church as well, so that ecumenical uh, kind of spirit comes through with his writing. And we have about, you know, a few seconds, so I'm not going to dwell on this final question, but on pages, I think it's 53, 54, uh, he goes through some, I guess, attacks against Christianity that, even though it's over 100 years ago, some of them still very relevant about 
about how scriptures are false or forged or maybe, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, some uh, some attacks on the identity of Jesus, his historicity and some others. It's like, wow, some of that stuff uh, can, is still around today in 2022. So I guess. What message, uh, we don't have a lot of time, so maybe 20, 30 seconds, but what message do you think Boving might have to the church today? Is it, you know, just a lot of, it's going through a lot. What might Boving say today for the church? Yeah, I think he would really uh, commend to it, uh, to hold firm to the scriptures, uh, that they are a a faithful uh, presentation of who God is, uh, authoritative for all of life and living. And I also think you would commend us uh, to be humble, and not, mm-hmm. not to pursue uh, power, but to pursue humility in Christ. That's what I think. I, those are beautiful words, and that's a great way to uh, finish up this conversation. Friends, this is uh, Gregory Parker Jr., who edited and translated a book called uh, Bob Inc., you know, Herman Bob Inc., What is Christianity? It's a great little book. I'm so glad for the work that you've done, Greg. Uh, Greg, thanks for joining me tonight. No problem at all, Nate. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Absolutely, friends. We got to head on out of here. It's been a wonderful show. Y'all make sure you're driving safe, uh, being careful. Make sure to pray always, friends. This is WXJC Radio Priority Talk. We will be back tomorrow.